0: Well, we do. We have a special guest this morning, Pastor Craig Bailey from Adelaide. So he has a church down there. Craig has been a friend of New Life Church for many, many years. Our ex-lead minister, Stu Cameron, he was Stu Cameron's youth pastor and mentor for Stu, and mentor for many of us in New Life as well. He's done a lot of leadership development with us as a team to help us in our journey where we feel God's calling us. He's even been one of my lecturers at Bible College, and so you can blame him for everything that I've done here. (laughs) But it is a great honour to have Craig here with us, and this weekend has been our Naturally Supernatural weekend, and Craig's going to come and bring us a message in line with that. So can we welcome Craig up as he comes? Thank you, Scott, and uh, thanks for the um, lovely introduction. Uh, Scott is—I feel like Scott's—I feel like I've known you all my life, but you're just that sort of person, and I've loved being a part of your journey in small ways over these past few years. And uh, in the first—the the the first gathering this morning, we we celebrated a, a lovely couple called David and Judy. It was their 90th birthday. Birthdays, or certainly his 90th birthday, and by sheer, um, not chance, but I think by God's will, I chose legacy for today, and I had no idea that was happening this morning, but they leave a legacy, but my point is that so do you. Let's pray. Our God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will come to us. And speak deeply to us about who we are and what legacy we have. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, now. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in the year 1900, some really significant research was undertaken by a man called Winship. He was an educator and he decided to follow the family, the Edwards family tree, going back to 1700, where a preacher named Jonathan Edwards was a revivalist preacher. As part of his research, he discovered that a sociologist had also done something similar with a different family. The difference was that the Edwards family was a God fearing, God loving, Family, the other was not, and so it produced this amazing comparison between the Edwards family and the Dukes family. The sociologist who followed the Dukes family was—he actually started studying prisons, and he went to five different New York prisons to to uh, try and work out what is it that makes a criminal. That was his thesis. And of forty-five, he found forty-five different criminals, all traced back to the one family, which was the Duke's family. Now, this is the incredible thing. Jonathan Edwards, in 1727, married Sarah. They had 11 children. And every night, they prayed a blessing of God on every single one. Every night was their habit. Like both families understood a degree of poverty, So it wasn't one privileged, another not. But as he he went down through the Edwards family, he found again and again and again men and women who were both productive for society and who loved God. Five generations, 1,500 people down the line. Of those, a hundred were pastors. And others in all kinds of careers and workspaces, were honouring God. It's a rare glimpse because down the other side, it was exactly the opposite. A man made a decision not to follow God and his legacy was clear. There were, in, there were 150 criminals in, out of the 1,500 in that line. There were seven murderers. Again and again, there were evidences of people doing ungodly things. Now, why do I put this before you? There's a legacy. One was a legacy of ungodliness. The other was a legacy of faithfulness. And I want to say to you, when you speak Jesus, when you make a decision for Christ, it is a powerful thing. Don't underestimate the implications. Three weeks ago, I was sharing with the staff team of New Life and was singing a song I hadn't really sung much before called Speak Jesus. And as we were singing it, we got to a line in it that said simply, speak Jesus for your family. And I couldn't sing it. I was kind of emotionally awestruck. And I could see as we sang that, that the you know, I, my wife and I have been married for 42 years. We had two sons. They both are in secular employment. Both are passionate followers of Jesus Christ. Those two married, two, obviously two wives and my two daughters-in-law, are passionate followers of Jesus Christ. The two families have each given me two granddaughters, the love of my life. And every Sunday... In my church, those four little granddaughters sit in the front row, not because they have to, (laughs) because they want to, because they're learning what it means to love Jesus. And, you know, as someone who had no Christian heritage past my own parents, no church attendance on record at all, I can't sing a line like that without feeling emotional about it. Is that all right? Oh, man. God is so good. Speaking Jesus for my family is a powerful thing. The point I want to make this morning is this. When you make a decision for Jesus Christ, when you make that decision, it's a personal decision, right? It's an individual decision, but it has supernatural implications, supernatural consequences, And I've been witness to that in my own life. I want to read from Psalm 145. I've got my Bible with me just. Reason, I went through um, the security at Adelaide Airport. And um, you know how they have two kind of, your baggage comes through. I'm always sensitive about, please let my baggage go straight through. Please, God. And uh, sometimes they have two tracks. The one's the normal track, and then if there's a problem, it goes on another track. And you say, oh, no. Anyone identify with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my case on Friday went the other track. And the guy took my case and opened it, emptied it out, and took three objects. One was my computer mouse, one was my Bluetooth boom, and my Bible. And put it in another tray and took it back to go through again. So I watch my Bible go through security. And it comes up to the guy who entered the suitcase. And I said to him, that is a really dangerous item. <laughs> and he looked really sheepish and said, I'm sorry, but we just have to look for dangerous things. How many of you know the word of God is dangerous? Man, oh man. It is profound. It can change your life and it's changed mine. Psalm 145. Talk about speak, Jesus, speak, God. I will speak. Of you, my God, the King, I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Augustine actually quotes that in his huge book, the Confessions that he wrote, St. Augustine, and his greatness no one can fathom. And then we get down to verse 4. Listen, one generation commence. Shabash, One generation commends your works to another. Did you hear that? One generation commends, praises you to another generation. They tell of your mighty acts. They tell of your mighty acts. You know, when we speak Jesus... We speak it to the next generations and we speak it in lots of different ways. Some of you this morning are here and you have grandchildren like me and you have children like me and you have friends that you care about. And you know, I, I really wrestled with whether, whether to preach this message which I've never preached before because I have minister friends whose kids do not walk with the Lord who do not attend church, but I believe the word of God and I believe in the faithfulness of God and I believe in a legacy and I believe that every person in this church leaves a legacy. Mike, who spoke yesterday, is a single person and he has a nephews and nieces that he meets with every week because he's sowing legacy into their lives. Some of us have nephews and nieces some of us have friends and we long for them to come to the Lord, don't we? We would do, almost die for them to come into the place of worship. And you know, I know there's some of you this morning here and you do small things like I do. You sit your grandchildren or your children on your knees and you read Bible stories to them. And you, you pray for them, sometimes every day. I pray for my children from the day that my eldest son was born. His name is Cullen, and he was born he's in, in 985, whatever that makes him now. But the day he was born, I prayed a prayer for him, and I've prayed a prayer for every one of my children and grandchildren ever since. May they grow in wisdom and stature in favour with God and in favour with people, Luke 2.52, every day. But you're like that, some of you. And you just long to see it make a difference. You may not be in a situation that I'm in, but you do those little things. And I want to say God honors those little things. Cast your bread upon the waters and it will come back to you in many days, sometimes in years and years and years. I, was, I started my ministry as a children's pastor. I was a trained primary school teacher, and it was logical that I was a children's pastor, I suppose, or perhaps illogical. But anyway, that's another story. But um, I, sta- I one day invited a, a guy from uh, another state to come, and he was a um, trainer in Sunday school ministry or children's ministry, whatever you call it. He trained teachers and leaders. And he made a claim, and he said, um, I, I've never had anyone in one of these seminars who didn't have some experience of God themselves as a child. He said, every time, every one of you have got a story. After the seminar, a lady came up to him, and she might have been about 40 years old, and she was involved in children's ministry, and she said, look, I can't remember his name, but John, I'm the exception. She said, I grew up on a cattle station out in the middle of Australia, and my parents were devout Atheists, like angry atheists, totally opposed to any form of religion. And she said, Well, so I'm your case, the one case where there was nothing when I was a child. Anyway, she went home sometime later and she was sitting with her parents, and the the sort of question stayed with her. And she said to her mum, She said, Mum, I know that you hated the church and religion and all that stuff. Was there ever a time, was there ever a time when anything happened in my childhood? And the mother said, You know the answer to that, dear. No way. She said, The people used to come around, but any of them that came around, I'd shoo them off in no uncertain terms. I'd say, you know, rack off, but it wasn't rack. Um, Anyway, the mother then went and she started to think about it. And a few days later, over dinner, she said, you know how you asked me that question? I've been thinking about it. And there was a moment. She said, these ministers or priests used to go travel from outback station to outback station. In the Uniting Church, we called them patrol padres. And she said... I used to get rid of most of them, but there was this one persistent guy. He, I was on the veranda holding a baby, and he came to the front gate. And she said, he just wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> and she said, I thought, just to get rid of the guy, I'll let him in. And uh, he came in, and, and she said, he took the baby in his arms, and he said some words which I would take as a prayer of blessing. She said, that baby was you. Mm -hmm. Folks, I believe a legacy started at that point. It might be a small thing, a prayer. It might be a blessing. It might be reading Bible stories, as some of us do to our children or grandchildren or nephews or nieces or friends. God takes those things and he uses them for his kingdom. I believe that with all of my heart and I believe this too. You speak Jesus even when you don't speak. You speak with your life. You speak with what you do. 1 Peter 2 says this, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving an example so that you too would follow in his steps and leave an example. You don't have to say anything, actually, to speak Jesus. You speak Jesus with the way you live your life, right? But it's not just that. I believe there's something deeper and more supernatural the day a man or woman chooses to follow Jesus, the Bible says um, you become clothed in the righteousness of God. In the first service, we sang a wonderful old hymn called, And Can It Be? And in that line, it says, Clothed in righteousness divine, Supernatural. I say this because when I'm talking about being an example, some of us will sit there and think, I wasn't a great example. I'm not a great example. I mean, you don't know me, but in fact, I'd be shocked if God used me. You know, I said in the first service, sometimes I've been asked to share about like parenting. Father's Day, my son and I um, were given a pulpit a couple of times to talk about our relationship on Father's Day. And I stand up there and, you know, I'd love to be able to say to people, here's the ten principles. But honestly, I think, why am I standing here? I don't feel as though I do anything. I don't think I'm the perfect parent at all. And fortunately, my son's there and he testifies to that truth. Folks, all I did was accept Jesus Christ as my Saviour and Lord. And the moment I did that, I was born again. I was saved, and the presence of God became part of my life. And I carry, and you carry, the presence of God everywhere you go if you're a Christian. I was often think, I've been reading the story of Joseph again in the Old Testament. And the number of times it says um, that God was with him or the spirit of God was on him. I think, what was that? That was the presence of God. You know, someone thinks, oh, but I'm so bad. I'm so terrible. Listen to this scripture. It's from 1 Timothy 1. Paul's writing to Timothy. He's writing to you. And he says this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. In other words, you better be seeing this and watching it. Then this is what he says. Listen. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am the worst. Notice the tense. It wasn't was the worst. Am the worst. Now he's not excusing his sin and he knows that God's spirit of sanctification is working in His life, but listen what He says. But for that very reason, I, for the very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus may display His immense goodness and grace. Did you hear that? You sit there thinking, "Oh, I'm a, I'm a terrible parent, a terrible grandparent." Or I've failed here, I've failed there. A lady said to me just a week ago, I was working with her, and she said, you know, if, if I'm a failed parent, then God's got some to happen. I mean, God was the perfect parent, and look at what some of his kids do. I thought, wow, oh, there's some theological truth in that. It's not about being the perfect parent. It's about being the bearer of the presence of God, of Jesus Christ in your life, we carry His presence wherever. We get on buses, we get on trains, we go into offices at work or at staff rooms at school. I was a primary school teacher. And you know, I remember going into the staff room and sitting next to a woman and saying something to her, and she bursts into tears. And all I said was, Hi. <laughs> and I think to myself, that is the presence of God. Amen. To speak Jesus, to speak Jesus is to leave a legacy, is to leave a legacy. Psalm 100 says this, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. It's not about forcing. It's not about cajoling or pressuring. It is about being who we are in Christ and speaking Jesus and trusting that he will speak through our lives to, our, to the people around us. This is a legacy, folks. This is what it means to legacy, to leave a legacy. When I first heard that song, Speak Jesus, and it said, speak, Jesus, for my family, it so hit me, so struck me, that this is what we're to do if we're to leave a legacy. Sometimes you drop those seeds of faith, and I know for some people, they wait for years. Tommy Emmanuel, did I say this already? Tommy Emmanuel, thirty years before he hit rock bottom, and when he hit rock bottom, he cried out to God, and God reminded him of a woman that was a neighbour that used to talk, speak Jesus, and that's who he reached out to. You may be waiting for your children or your friends, family, but I believe God is faithful. I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine a single mum. A single mum walking through Mooney Ponds with two children with no food and no shelter. A single mum whose husband left her, this is in the early 1930s, when the welfare just wasn't there. The husband had shot through, in fact, He was never seen again. It was actually in the Melbourne newspapers at the time. He went missing. And she had moved to the city because when when you're poor and you've got food, where do you go? And so she ended up in Mooney Ponds with a little girl 12 and a little boy 10. And they, for shelter, ended up in just a lean-to that leaned against an, an old dance hall. And she reflected later in life, the the little 12-year-old girl reflected that she'd be trying to sleep at midnight on a a Saturday night and all she could hear was thump, 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 thump. They were desperately poor. No food and very little shelter. Down the road in Mooney Ponds was a little Methodist church. And in this Methodist church, they used to have a festival once a year. And I don't know if any of you actually, probably only those of you who are over about fifty or sixty will remember this, but there was a festival called Harvest Thanksgiving. And in Harvest Thanksgiving, once a year, in rural churches, the farmers would bring their produce and lay it at the front of the church as a gift to God. Isn't that amazing? And people would come with their cans and all that sort of stuff if they weren't farmers. But they'd bring what they had. And I remember as a little kid sitting in a a Methodist church watching this mountain of food, kind of thinking, where's that going to go? Well, in this little Methodist church in Mooney Ponds in Melbourne, someone saw this destitute woman with her two little kids girl 12, boy 10. And they said to the pastor, we need to help this family. And they agreed that they would give all of the Harvest Festival food to this family. That little 12-year-old girl was my mum. And the next week, she went to the church for the first time in her life and never stopped going. Sadly, her, her mother, my grandmother didn't end up in church and she never felt apparently good enough to go to church. She got mental illness and within two years was in a what we call back then an asylum, mental asylum, died when my mum was 20, my mum was fostered out. And sadly, she never really got over those years of her life and was not, never an easy person to live with, never. Um, but she went to church, and this church became the one stable thing in her life. You know, A few years ago, she got Alzheimer's. And uh, in our, you, know, you know what Alzheimer's does to you? Strangely enough, it, it made her rather sweet for the first time in her life. Um, she didn't know who I was. She, for the last six months, she actually couldn't put any words together. But um, that was the way it was. I, I, I guess my one desire for her would have been that she could have embraced all that God had for her instead of constantly remembering. When she got Alzheimer's, she forgot, you see? My wife and I are driving on an expressway down south of Adelaide. And um, my wife, who tends to do these things, said, Craig, we've got to stop and turn around. I really feel like we've got to visit your mum. Why doesn't that ever happen to me? But anyway, I followed what Kay was suggesting. We turned around and we went to my mother and she was dying. And I want you to understand she hadn't at that time uttered an, an intelligible word for months. She just couldn't put two words together. But I sat on the side of her bed and I held her hand Prayed. And I prayed the Lord's prayer. And as I was praying, she joined me and without missing a beat, articulated every word of the Lord's prayer. That night, she died. But you know, here's the point of that story for me. When I go to heaven, she will be there. But there's one person, one person I want to say thank you to, and that's the pastor of that little Methodist church in Moonee Ponds. When someone went to him and said, can we donate this food? He must have said yes. And that changed my legacy. It changed my life. Please understand, I had nothing church, Christian-wise, beyond that. Friends, it's never too late to leave a legacy. Never. You're never too bad to leave a legacy. And I'm going to invite you to leave a legacy today. Would just stand with me? As I've been talking, I know that some of you here today have people on your minds. For some of you, you have friends, people that you've been praying for. For some of you, you have members of your family. You may have grandchildren that you just have such a deep desire for, or children, or nephews or nieces. I want to make this a safe place out here this morning. And I want to make it a safe place for prayer. And I want to say that if you've got someone you'd like to pray for, please join me at the front here because I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for the person that's on your mind. I may never know their name. You'll know their name. But I want to pray for them. But there's another thing going on here. Some of you may never have publicly said yes. I choose to believe in Jesus Christ. And this morning is your morning. (laughs) Folks, leave a legacy. Make a decision that will impact your family, your children, your grandchildren. Please, if that's you, would you step out of your seats now and come to the front because I really want to pray for you and with you. Just as we're in this space now, don't hesitate. Come, Holy Spirit. Just come forward because I want to pray for you. This is the first time I've ever preached this. And as I preach it, I just keep getting inside feelings about friends, family, nieces, nephews, grandchildren. Could you just step a bit further forward just to allow people to come into this space? This is a sacred moment. Such a sacred moment. Jesus oh Father I don't know the names of people that are on your hearts and minds maybe parents but I want to pray for them through you would you if I invite you to say their names just say them out loud but quietly just say their names Hmm. Just name them. And for me, it's my brother. No. Oh, I pray for him. Lord Jesus, the Bible says that you honor those who honor you, you honor those who honor others. And as we state the names of those people that we care about, we pray for, that we long for I pray as we pray right at this moment that your Holy Spirit would touch that person's life Lord whether they be little children you say in your word that little children respond to you and this is what the kingdom is like I pray now for each child who's represented here That whatever they're doing, you would, through your Holy Spirit, just touch their hearts. And they may not know what's going on. They may not be able to articulate it, but Lord, something happens inside of them. Let it happen right now. It may be a parent, a grandchild, someone we care about, a neighbor. Lord, I pray for each one of them now. And Lord, I pray too that you would help us to become the kind of people that carry the presence of Jesus Christ in everything we do. Lord, we don't pretend to be perfect. We don't pretend to be saints. But we do declare that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And we long for other people to do that too. Come, Holy Spirit, come now in Jesus' name.